What's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast, Dog Mom Mentality, where we strive to play with dogs and not emotions. I am your virtual bestie, Caroline, and I have my furry friend here, Layla, and we are going to give you a break from your day to talk about all things dogs and emotional well-being. If you have ever been emotionally affected by your dog, then this is the podcast for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. I am really not sure why my voice is like scratchy and out right now, but we're just going to work with it. We are about to go into the 4th of July weekend, so I hope that you stay safe, your dog stays safe, and everyone stays cool, calm, and collected with all of the big booms. I know those can be really, really scary for dogs. Layla is definitely going to be scared, so... Um, on the 4th of July day and part of this weekend, we are going to go out into the country to where we can't really hear any. We are going to hop right on into today's episode. So today's guest is Sarah and Sarah and her two-year-old chocolate multi-poo schnauzer mix Coco live in sunny San Diego, California, where they participate in a variety of dog activities. They attend many dog vendor events, including the San Diego Humane Society Walk, a Harley-Davidson Hogs and Dogs event, dog festivals, and many other meetups. Sarah actually co-leads a pack walk for a group of San Diego Instagram dogs, and they pick a new location to explore each week. Sarah and Coco recently started volunteering as a therapy dog team and have been loving every minute of it. Sarah says Coco is such a friendly and loving dog and that she wanted to share her love with others, especially the aging and elderly population. You all really enjoyed our last episode on therapy dogs, so I know that you are going to love this episode just as much. So we are going to go ahead and get into today's episode with Sarah. Today's guest, we have Sarah. I'm super excited to have her on and talk about therapy dogs again. So we had one episode that goes over therapy dogs, but I, you know, really love talking about this and Sarah has been super passionate about it and sharing her experience, uh, doing like some training with her dog and like the exposure, uh, getting, like getting them ready to be, uh, a therapy dog team on her Instagram. And so I'm super excited to talk about that with her today and to also congratulate her because they are officially therapy dog certified. So welcome to the podcast and congrats, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. So you re- you got certified like literally yesterday, I think, right? Is that what I saw on Instagram? That's when I got, yeah, that's when I got like the official email, but it, you have to turn in paperwork. So it takes a little bit to process. Gotcha. So. Okay. Well, really, really excited to like dive deeper into that and learn a little bit more about that experience. Um, but first, if you just want to tell us a bit about yourself and about sweet little Coco and anything that you guys are, are up to or anything that you all have planned for this summer. Sure. Um, so Coco is a multi-poo schnauzer mix. She is 15 pounds. She's a chocolate color, which is where I got the super unique name. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, she is so sweet. She's about two years old. Um, her birthday's in March. And she's actually a fellow Craigslist dog. Um, Nice. 
And I mean, she's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. I don't know if I'd go down Craigslist route again because I've heard some horror stories, but I had a really great experience. Um, and yeah, I mean, we have so many adventures. We live in San Diego. So we live like 15 minutes from the beach. We go to the beach a lot. We do a lot of hikes. We're doing the 52 hike challenge. Mm-hmm. So 52 hikes within the year um, and lots of training classes and just, I mean, every day it's like play dates or we go on a pack walk or we go to like a dog festival. There's so many in San Diego and we're just living that like dog life. Loving it. Yeah. I love that you uh, do the pack walks and you're actually like the co-leader or like co-founder. So was that like easy to figure out like how to do? And like, did you use Instagram to like meet other people to like come join your pack walk or how, how did that work? Yeah. So actually when I first started an Instagram with Coco um, at that time, she was only like, I don't know, maybe four or five months. I didn't, I didn't make one right away. Mm-hmm. But there was, I started connecting with other people, other doodles in San Diego, and we created a group chat and there was about 30 of us San Diego doodles. Wow. And we started to do play dates and meetups and um, all of those, just writing to each other on there, like any, what tick medicine do you use or um, just like support? It was mm-hmm. great. And one of the dogs created a pack walk because she was really into training or the mom was really into training. And so she wrote to our doodle group and was like, I'll start doing these like weekly training walks if anyone wants to join. So she created a separate chat on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, At first it was mostly made up of doodles. Now it's like all breeds, everyone. And so I think at the time it was like Sundays at 4 p.m. or something. And we met at a different place and every week she'd let us know. And then about a year later, she, or a little bit less than a year later, yeah, actually like four months later, um, she ended up moving to Copenhagen. Oh, okay. And so she, there was three of us dog moms who were pretty much at all of them, all of the walks. And so she reached out to us and was like, do you guys want to take it on? So once we took it on, the three of us, we just kind of kept the chat going. Um, We started creating posters and flyers to put in the group to say, here's where we're meeting. Here's how long it is. Um, There's so many locations in San Diego. So Mm -hmm. every time was different. And then word just got out because people would come to the event. It was very casual. People would come to the event and then they just post about it. And then people would ask like, how do I get involved? And it just spread that way. And then now we also have a weekday one. So I'm not in charge of the weekday one, but there's another group that kind of stemmed from the weekend one mm-hmm. for people who want to do weekend or weekdays. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That is one thing about where I live. I cannot find a pack walk or a pack hike unless it's about an hour away. So there's none in my city. Do you have like neighbor friends that have dogs and you can start there? Yeah. So it's one of those things that I've like thought about doing it on my own and starting it, but I just personally do not have this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would definitely be like an extra thing on, on right. your plate, but, um, and obviously it's like volunteer run and whatnot, just right. word of mouth. But, um, like some of my neighbors have joined because I tell them about it and they're like, Ooh, I want to join. Like I'm not mm-hmm. Instagram friends with them or they don't even have a dog Instagram account, but they have a dog. Right. Um, and it kind of grew that way. Like people would bring their neighbors or their like friends who have dogs. Uh, it's, and it's just been so great for 
all types of dogs for mm-hmm. there's a lot of reactive dogs that come and it's a really great like safe socialization yes place for them because we don't do face we don't do nose to nose greetings even though like Coco super friendly loves dogs love people I still keep her away from everyone and we like usually each pack walk will stand in a circle introduce ourselves if if there's new people and then we just say like my dog needs space my dog is human reactive um we'll go you know maybe we'll go in the back so that um there's less distractions, whatever it may be. And then we mm-hmm. all just kind of move along together and, you know, our dogs, our dog's needs right. are the priority. So, yes. Well, I love that. I think that is so, so good. I really want to take Layla to this pack walk. Um, it's in Cincinnati. So it's about an hour North of where I live and it's with a trainer that's in Cincinnati, but it's like kind of the same, same thing where, um, everyone like keeps their space and, you know, you, you, you do it for the dog's needs basically. Yeah. And so she also has a pack hike and I've thought about taking Layla to that, but she has never, like, it's an off leash pack hike, which is cool. I like the idea of it, but I don't know how Layla would react to multiple dogs, like running around around her. And I think she would constantly want to play with them. So I think doing more of like a pack walk where everyone is leashed and like, you know, kind of a little bit more structure would be the best place for us to start Um, because she can walk around dogs fine and that is all good. And she's not like really dog reactive. Uh, Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't really consider her dog reactive, but I don't know if I would like be able to trust her in an off-leash hike situation if that makes sense yeah and maybe uh, for you that situation would be better with like a, one other dog or right you know, exactly I think it would be best if it, if it only started with like one or two instead of like right. you know maybe eight or ten <laughs> so yeah. totally but I love that idea also you had mentioned that Coco is a Craigslist dog. And I wanted to point out the other person that I had on here that talked about um, their therapy dog experience a little bit is also a like mixed breed, not, you know, bred for therapy dog work, like a golden retriever or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, some like golden retrievers or some um, dog breed lines are specifically for like therapy dog or service dog or whatever. And I find it so fascinating that you and the other person, you know, both like mixed breed dogs, because it's a very, very good representation that you don't have to have a, you know, a lab or expensive dog, um, you know, to have a therapy dog, you know, um, you could have like a rescue dog if you really wanted to. Um, I find, I find that that's, it's really great that you know, both of you are, are representing that. Yeah. And so we took a six week therapy dog prep course, Mm -hmm. um, which is not necessary to become certified, but we, I just love training classes and I love Mm -hmm. being involved in that stuff. So I took this prep program and it, it really has helped me, I think, become a really great team because you learn so many things that like, you just don't think about, like example, if you're going into a hospital room, and the, and like the patient has, um, one of those bed trays that go yeah. you know, for the, their meal. Um, they teach you, it's okay to move that, move it and tell them I'm going to move it and make sure you put it back. And that way your dog, if your dog's on the bed or near the bed, they're not going to knock it over. They're not going to eat the medicine, right. not eat the, be motivated by the food. 
And I never even thought of that. Like, oh yeah, of course you can move things around and then just important, put it back because they're mm-hmm. you know, in their bed. Um, but in the program, Coco was the only small dog. Yeah. All the other dogs, there was a lot of labs and a lot of retrievers, which is really common. They're, they make wonderful therapy dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an Australian shepherd, which I thought was. Oh, that's interesting, interesting because they're so high energy. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, like chaotic a little bit. <laughs> I mean, this dog was so sweet. Um, uh-huh. And then there was like a silver lab, um, okay. which is kind of rare to see. And then, yeah, Coco was the only small dog. So what was great was they teach you a lot of things for big dogs. Um, mm-hmm. If someone's in a wheelchair, how to get your dog's body closer to the wheelchair. Well, with Coco, she's tiny, right? Or, you know, 15 right. pounds. So the wheelchair is huge for her. So that's where I taught her the trick pause up to put her paws up yes. on the wheelchair or they gave me different like techniques and tips on how to kind of work with a smaller dog because a big dog is more common, I, I would mm-hmm. say, but um, a small dog is totally able to be a therapy dog and, you know, they can go on the bed as long as the yeah. person's okay with it. They can sit on the person's lap in the wheelchair as long as the person's okay with right. it. But, um, there's lots of just different techniques. So I think that course was, was really helpful, but yeah, any, really any dog, any breed, any size is, there's potential for it to be a therapy dog. And a lot of it's more about like the personality and how they behave. Exactly. Yeah. The temperament. So this course kind of sounded like it was a little bit more for you and like teaching you how you could do things. Um, what was that through just in case anyone's curious? Yeah. So it's a local organization in San Diego called Positive Teams. Um, They are wonderful and great and um, just such a great resource to have as well. And I think there might be others in San Diego. That was the one my trainer suggested and nothing but amazing reviews on my end. Right. That's awesome. Okay. So to pivot a little bit, we're going to like talk about you and Coco first. Um, And then we'll get into some more therapy dog talk because you are obviously very passionate about it and excited about it. And I love it. (laughs) But um, so you said Coco uh, was, you know, pandemic puppy. Um, You got her in, did you say 2020 or 2021? May of 2020. Okay. May of 2020. So true pandemic puppy. Um, And you got her like while you were in a dark place with your depression is, is what you told me. So would you mind sharing um, a bit like what your days were like prior to getting Coco and then kind of how, whenever you got her, how things turned around and how things changed for, for your life? Sure. So pre-pandemic, I still was, I was going through this really rough patch with my life. And um, once the pandemic hit, it made things really hard because my way of kind of coping at first was going out all the time. I was never home. I was, I was out with friends, out doing things partying or whatever it may be and just like not focus on my on healing my mental health um just Mm -hmm. kind of trying to find a band-aid and then the pandemic hit and everything obviously everything was shut down my social life went out the door um I'm I live alone so I was very isolated um luckily I do have I did have my sister who lived across the street from me she moved last year of course but um her and her kids and her husband lived across the street from me so I was like kind of in their bubble and me and her had the conversation. She said, you know, to protect my family as well um, as your own safety, we need you, you can't socialize, you know, like pandemic means like you really need to not go out, even though people, right. still, people still were. San Diego kind of was still living their life. And that was a really hard discussion because that was how I was kind of coping with everything. 
And for a while I wanted a dog, but I didn't have a job at the time. Um, I had quit my job in December to kind of work on my mental health, which I didn't end up doing until I got Coco. Didn't have like the finances. I didn't have a job. And I was like, now's not the time to get a dog. And then Mm -hmm. the pandemic hit and it got to a point with talking with my sister. She's like, forget the money, forget, you know, what mom and dad say, forget all this stuff, get a dog that you have the time right now, get a dog. Perfect time for it. (laughs) Perfect. So I like, I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. I looked online. I did go on Craigslist, went into a little bidding war for over one dog that I lost the bidding war, which probably is for the better. Oh, that's crazy. I did not realize that Craigslist was like that. Yeah. The woman was like, oh, this other person wants the dog for this much. And I was like, I'll give you 50 more. And they're like, Mm -hmm. okay, this person said they'll do a hundred more. And I was like, okay, I'll do more. And then it went back and forth. And I was like, the price was like a crazy, like, where did we go? Anyways, I had seen Coco's ad and I emailed the woman and said, I'd love to see the dog. She said, come meet tomorrow at a Target parking lot. And I went and she's like, you could take home the dog. And I didn't have anything. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know how to train a dog. I didn't have a dog crate. I didn't have anything. So I took home this, she was a pound and a half. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh, she was so tiny. And I took her home and like, as she's like peeing on the floor, I'm like listening to podcasts about how do you train, like potty train a dog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so kind of all of my like depression and mental health and like life was like put on pause because I had to figure out how to like take care of this little tiny thing. Um, and it was a struggle. I definitely, I like related with single parents. I was like, um, we woke up, I woke up every hour with her and had to clean her crate cause she peed and pooed herself. And it was such a mess. Um, and it was really hard, but then like, as we kind of started to get a routine, as I started, especially as I started to reach out to other dogs and create the dog Instagram, mm-hmm. I noticed like my focus was on her and my life with her and training her and not on like the other things happening in my life. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was able to kind of heal because I had a hard time being alone and I was so dependent on friends, families, relationships. And so I really was able to focus more on her at the same time as like learning to be okay on my own. And another story that I want to share, before I got Coco, I had another friend who had lots of depression as well. And we talked about that a lot and she had a dog. And Mm -hmm. so I remember going to her place and we both were crying on the couch about life. And she's like petting her dog. And she said, this is the exact reason why I got my dog. There are mornings I don't want to get out of bed but I have to, she is my priority. I get out of bed. I put on clothes. I walk her. Even if I don't feel like it, I have to. And that's like always stuck with me because I think having Coco also helped me get out of bed and like smile and laugh and have a good time during the dark time in my life, but also like the pandemic, the very beginning of the pandemic when it wasn't just two weeks for staying home. It was, Mm -hmm. it was very, lots of uncertainty and lots of like chaos. I feel like. Yes. And then now throughout the years, I've had her for two years now, just, I've like, I'm now in a place where I can say, I am so incredibly happy. I, I still have ups and downs, but like, I am so happy. I love my life. And it's all like, thanks to Coco because she's helped, she's helped me like make friends, um, have things to do with my time, have things to care about. You know, we have like our, especially weekends, every, mm-hmm. you know, I have like three dog events every day. on the weekend. <laughs> I love it. That is great. Well, it sounds like 
you know, it was kind of that like sense of purpose that you were, you know, longing for, searching for, um, and that kind of like landed literally in your lap, you know, Coco would just came to you and landed right in your lap. And that was it. Right. And I really wasn't prepared for a dog, but it was like the best thing to ever happen to me because I was forced to, to learn and forced to grow with her. And we live in a credible, in my opinion, we live in a credible life. I love it. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like she gave you some of like the added stress or anything like during those early days, like through, you know, puppy training and crate training and potty training and all of that. Yeah. Um, and did you ever feel like whenever you were kind of focusing on her during those times, it was still kind of like a bandaid fix for some of the things. And then like it transitioned more so into like the sense of purpose. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Um, In the beginning, it was really hard because I didn't know what I was doing. And I would talk to friends and be like, how do you handle the potty train at night? Like that was the really big thing. Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, oh, well, I wake up the first time and then my husband, fiance, partner, whatever, gets up the second time and deals with the dog. And then I do the three o'clock shift and they do the 6 a.m. shift. And I'm like, I I didn't know anyone at the time who was single and had a dog, a puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone I was talking to was like in a, in a relationship, married, whatever it may be. And they split the responsibilities and it felt really hard all being on me, especially like not even having a support system. Like I didn't, yeah. my sister didn't have a, ki- a dog, like she's kids. She didn't, she helped me like her first bath because there's poop everywhere. And my sister like deals with human poop. So like, right. why dog poop? <laughs> um, but yeah, like she's, she was a huge support system, but, um, like anyone who was in the same position as me, I didn't really have. So I really did struggle. I remember one night I'm holding her looking in the mirror, bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, this is what it's like to be a single mother. I mean, it's not the same. I understand, but like, it's relatable in a way where like, you know, I'm still trying to take care of the house and I'm trying to take care of myself. I'm trying to keep this little fluff alive. I'm trying to like, work on myself, um, sleep, you know? Mm So, um, it was tough. And I would say it took us a lot longer to potty train than it should have. Um, (laughs) if I were to get another dog, I definitely know what to do. What What to do now. (laughs) Yeah. It would go a lot different, but, um, I think it also built such a good bond between us. Right. For sure. Because I was the one doing everything with her. I mean, she's so friendly with everyone else, but like we were, like there, you know, we only had each other for a while. Right. Right. Yeah. Especially during like the pandemic when you literally couldn't leave the house to, you know, do some of those like pack walks and and things that you do now. And I love that you have found like such a sense of community within like people that have a dog. Um, I think that's really special and something that, you know, Instagram, you wouldn't expect for Instagram to give you all these like feelings. Um, But if you really think about it, Instagram and like Facebook and social media, you know, it's there because they want to like provide you a sense of community and you like go in and you're just like, I just want to share cute pictures of my dog. Um, But it turns into something like so much bigger. Yeah. And that's how it started. Um, Right. I didn't have an Instagram for her at first because I was like, that's so ridiculous. And I had friends (laughs) who would reach out and they're like, my dog has an Instagram. You should follow. And I was like, no, I don't care. And even though I've always loved dogs. And then- I started like <laughs> hanging out with some friends who had dogs and they were like, oh, I got this bandana for free. 
from Instagram. You should create one. And I was like, free? Okay. So yeah, I added it. And then like this whole world opened up and like, I, I like thrive in the Instagram dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. Like how, how that all happens. Yeah. So when did you like start training Coco to be a therapy dog? And like, what even made you decide like, Hey, I think we could be a therapy dog team. So since I brought her home, I had a trainer. Um, I've had a few different trainers, but I had a trainer come into the home. I also did some like pet smart or pet co training. Mm-hmm. And then for the, for a while now, I've been working with another local San Diego trainer who I love. Um, so I think a big thing about therapy dogs is that it's not just like when you decide you want to be a therapy dog, you start training, right? You're training them for life with any dog, really. Right. You're, you bring them totally. home, you're having them sit before you give them food, you're teaching them commands and obedience. So I think that creates, helps to create, um, a well-behaved therapy dog. Mm -hmm. Um, so she, I already knew like she was such a good dog, uh, really good with other people, with kids, people of all ages, men, women, whatnot. Um, and she was not, she never had crazy puppy energy. She's always like pretty calm. Um, and she doesn't like jump on people, which I think is a, it's a big thing for therapy dogs. Mm-hmm. But once I, she actually, she was an ESA dog, um, certified through okay. ESA or had an ESA certification, the emotional support animal. And, um, that was pretty simple to get. Um, but you just need like a letter from a therapist or from a doctor and you can also pay for them online. And then certified, but she would go on my lap for air airplane rides. It was wonderful. Right. And then that got shut down where, because people were bringing their peacocks and crazy things. Yeah. (laughs) They're like therapy snake on board. And, um, I thought at first I was like, Ooh, if she becomes a therapy dog, she can go on the plane with me. Mm -hmm. And then later I realized that's actually just service dogs, therapy dogs rights at all. But, um, I think a, I just noticed how good she, she just was such a good dog and like loving everyone so sweet. And I also had noticed that um, when I would take her to visit my grandparents, she was so good with them. And um, my grandparents, so my grandfather was, he passed away in October. He was 99. And my grandmother is um, still doing wonderful. She's 94 and she lives in Seattle. And so I would take her to visit and like, my grandpa wasn't even like an animal person and he would light up and every morning he would like, good morning, Coco. And like would slowly bend down to pet her and always just like checking in on her. It was so sweet. And she, my grandma would be sitting on the couch. She'd jump up on the couch, lay next to my grandma. Um, and just seeing them like kind of have a spark of life again was Mm -hmm. so sweet. And that kind of clicked for me where I was like, wait, she would be a good therapy dog. Like that's a lot of what it is. It's just bringing joy and comfort to others. And I've always loved my, I've always had such a good relationship with my grandparents and loved the elder community, had so much respect for them. And so I was like, I want to go into nursing homes and I want to bring Coco to like bring joy to these mm-hmm. people. So that's kind of like how it, the idea kind of, it started from an idea, but it really like, I, it pushed me into looking into it, talking to trainers, doing the program um, and like making it happen. Right. Do you think it would have been possible if you wouldn't have started training her as like early as what you did? Because you said you you got trainers and started with like obedience training as soon as you could. 
Yeah, I think it is possible. I think it definitely helps. Part mm-hmm. of the evaluation before you even can start therapy work is there's some obedience in there. So your dog doesn't okay. need to know any crazy tricks, but they need to be able to sit and stay, lay down, come when called. And there's a few other things that they also need to not jump, which I just kind of lucked out. She wasn't a jumper, but people, if you don't train that out of your dog early, it right. could be a problem down the line, especially with oh, bigger dogs. Oh, hundred percent. Layla's a jumper. It's awful. <laughs> right. So like that's part of it is like that they're not jumping, obviously not biting mm-hmm. um, or lunging. They, you have to walk past another dog and they kind of can't react. They right. um, like, even in, in a positive, in a friendly way, um, they need to be very neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it is possible, but there are things that if it's something that you want to do, or even you just want to have like a well-behaved dog. It's like, those right. are the things that like people work on anyways. Right. Um, the course, the earlier, the better. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. That is even just thinking about it. Um, if we ever get another dog jumping is one thing that I would work on from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is just in Layla's like, it's just her instinct to, to jump up and get people's attention that way. And I wish we would have started working on that way, way, way sooner. But I really like, you know, uh, your why behind it. Like, you know, seeing the, your grandparents and like talking about like the elderly community and how you had so much respect for them. Um, And so have you, have you always gone into nursing homes or like what other places have you gone to? So we've done a kind of a mix. Um, to become certified, you have to do 10 therapy visits. Okay. So with the program that I'm a part of, it's called Love on a Leash, which is a national organization, wonderful organization. And we have a San Diego chapter. So for Love on a Leash, you have to do 10 therapy visits. And they suggest, they say five with the same supervisor. Mm-hmm. And then the other five should be kind of a various locations to get a feel of what your dog likes, what you like, what environment works. Gotcha. So we've done, um, our main visit was at a, uh, what do they call it? There's a, within it, there's a memory unit and that's, that's like my favorite place. Um, okay. but it's, a assisted living. They have a lot of different, different parts of their organization, but assisted living, senior living, and then they have a memory care unit. Okay. And so that's where I did five of my main, main places, but I've also done a school. Um, I, so we went to a school for the deaf, which I'm fluent in sign language. I got my degree in sign language interpreting. Oh, cool. I was just like, that's not what I do for a living now, but that was just a fun little side where we were going to school for a deaf. And I'm like, Hey, I'm fluent in sign language. I want to go. That's super cool. It was so cool. Um, so they were like, I don't know, first through third grade. Um, I've done a psychiatric hospital where we met with the staff. Um, I've also done um, just rehabilitation centers, um, a lot of, and then other senior living centers. Um, And then there's some library programs. And I've also done um, at the Marine Corps base here, they had a family day. And so that was really fun. We just, a bunch of us dogs went out and they're doing a barbecue with their families and we got to interact. The kids loved it. Oh, super Uh, fun. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's so many different opportunities out there and luckily Coco, she's good with kids. She's good with the elder Mm -hmm. community, but there are some people I've talked to in our program who, um, their, their dog isn't comfortable around kids. And so they stick to the 
older communities or the adult communities, Mm -hmm. those events. Yeah. So would you say that you're like definitely more drawn to like the nursing homes and um, like you said, the the memory loss unit Um, because like you do have such that uh, such a special connection with your grandparents? I think so. I've always loved the elder community. I've been so close to my grandparents my whole entire life. But even I remember in high school driving past a local nursing home, I always asked my mom, like, how can I work there? What do I I want to work there. What do I do to like volunteer or whatnot? And I never actually did, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wanted to. Um, And I think I think Coco is good in any situation. But for me, I personally I love the elder community. Mm -hmm. Um, So like when we did the school, I also loved it. I love kids as well. And I'm great with them. Plus, I knew the sign language. But she, she was fine, surprisingly, for a little dog, like being tugged at and hugged and she was uh-huh. fine. But I just personally love, I love the memory unit. I love the, the assisted living center. Um, I'm very comfortable with people in their 80s, 90s. Um, mm-hmm. One of our ladies residents, um, she's just turned 100 a couple months ago. Wow. Like, I, I love that stuff. And they have such amazing stories. I mean, I can go on and on about the geriatric community, but yeah. I, I think because I'm very comfortable, it makes it a much more pleasant experience for everyone involved. Um, there are some of my friends within the program that are like, I just don't really like, you know, I'm not too comfortable with that mm-hmm. population. And so they don't tend to go. Um, I'm comfortable with that. And also going to like the rehabilitation center for the seniors where they're in a bed and um, they may have like medical um, medical issues or they're going, you know, they're re- rehabbing from something. So I just am comfortable with that. And mm-hmm. I think what's great about therapy dog work is you pick what's best for you and your teammate, your dog. Right. And you, you don't have to do nursing homes. You don't have to do medical. Some people just go to the schools. Like mm-hmm. you can go well, like your own. It involves just as much you as it does Coco. And so I do think it's so important that like you found like your passion in the um, elder community, because like you said, it just makes it for like a more positive, enjoyable experience. And like, we all know that dogs like pick up on our like feelings and emotions and everything. So I'm sure like Coco senses, you know, my mom is like having a good time. We come out of here. Mom is so happy. And like, you know, so it really is about finding your place in this therapy work as well. Yes. Um, my mom is, is just like you. She was a, a pharmacist or she worked at a pharmacy for what, like 20 years for a very long time, but she would always volunteer and be the one to go deliver the prescriptions to nursing homes and would go and say, at the nursing home and visit her, her ladies is what she called them. She was yeah. like, oh, I visited my ladies today. Um, and you know, she, she would go there and stay and talk to them and made friends with them. Um, and it does take a really special person because you do have to have a lot of patience in like empathy and understanding because they are in a position that, you know, they can't get out of bed or they can't, you know, they do take a little bit longer to think of what they're saying or, or speak or whatever. Um, and so I think it does take a really special person, um, to be in that position. Also side note, I just thought of this. It's so funny, but, uh, we always knew when my mom got done, like visiting at the nursing home because she would call you and she would speak really, really loud. (laughs) 
<laughs> because you know like they're that they're flow. like hearing loss yes <laughs> so like we would always know like oh she just went to the nursing home because she's like literally yelling <laughs> yeah yep. and and like the amount of times the ladies ask what her name is within the same conversation it yes. does not get to me I will tell you a thousand times what her name is I do not mind other people are kind of like oh they already asked me but like I also my other grandmother had dementia and mm-hmm. so she for years I was repeating myself and I was comfortable with it and I understood it. And like one of the ladies was like, you know, she's probably eight, I don't know, eighties, nineties, but she's like, Oh, I can't be late. My dad's going to pick me up today. And I don't want him mad that I'm late. And like, I'm sure the dad has passed at this point. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, she's probably living there. And it was just still like, so sweet to kind of see her in a childlike mind. Oh, and yeah. I, I loved it. That's great. So with your therapy visits, did you ever run into any challenges? I would say, so Coco's pretty vocal. Um, that gets under my skin. Um, (laughs) she has part schnauzer in there and I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's it. Um, day one, I brought her home. She was barking and, um, we've really worked on it and I think there's been improvement, but she has barked within the the memory unit and a couple other locations we've been to. And I was really embarrassed at first and nervous about it. And the, my supervisor actually gave me really great um, feedback was like, he said they're dogs, first of all. So Mm -hmm. dogs are vocal for a reason and it's okay. And also a lot of these women, like at the facility, the nursing facility we were at, they love seeing the dog's personality and like, yeah, Seeing them, you know, it's not a, as long as it's not an aggressive bark, which it's not, but she's kind of doing that like demand barking where she wants attention. And so the ladies think it's adorable. And for me who hear it like all the time, I'm like, ugh, but they love it. So I would say that was kind of a struggle because she also did one time like bark at a lady who walked in the room and it scared the woman. Was she like startled? Was like Coco startled a little bit? I think so. Um, Okay. I think Coco was a little bit overwhelmed at that point um mm-hmm. and the woman like turned the corner and I think they both kind of turned the corner into each other right. and um it turned it turned out it was okay um, yeah just you know, an accident but definitely yeah, it scared them. yeah it just kind of scared them but it's it's something that I know she does so I when she starts to vocalize within whatever setting we're at I always just say oh she's chatty don't worry it's a friendly you know that's just her talking to you or sometimes I'll say like Coco, no one asked you your opinion. And, you know, they, they love it. They kind of are like, oh yeah, like, you know, and they love it. So um, I'd say that was kind of a big one. Um, she also, we we go into each room we go into, we're with other people and their dogs, um, right. other teams, um, which is something I didn't, I thought we were on our own, but you, you can be, but for the most part, we go with other teams. So okay. luckily um, she's great with other dogs, which is part of the exam before you start, but sometimes they, the dogs just want to play with each other mm-hmm. and getting them to like really focus on you and focus on a person who may not be fully able to like fully embrace them, um, or get on the floor with them. I mean, that's a little bit right. of a struggle as well. And you just kind of have to maneuver and, um, part of the evaluation before and after your 10 visits is the human. So are you, ta- are you talking to the person? Are you able to, uh, are you comfortable? Are you able to command your dog? to get your dog's attention? Can you have a conversation? Are you saying the right things? So um, it is a lot about the person as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh goodness. I think it's really great how you handled 
the barking situation though, because that is something that would totally stress me out. And I'm sure a lot of other people would get stressed about that just because yeah. like overanalyzing the situation. Right. And, and I also, so she, it, it's still stressful, even though I know it's like, Oh, it's okay. But, um, because also I was being evaluated for these 10 yeah. visits, 11 visits I did. So I'm like, Oh my God, is, am I going to get kicked out because she <laughs> barked? And like, she just wants to say hi to this person who's not in our room. I can't just go leave. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So the supervisor that like gave you the advice, you know, like she's just a dog. We have to remember that she's just a dog and that like showing her personality and stuff. Do they have dogs? Like, do they have a therapy dog? And like, I wonder if that's advice that someone gave them at one point. Yeah. So he also has a schnauzer. Um, okay. And, um, who I've never heard bark (laughs) (laughs) funny um, enough, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, so all the like supervisors and the site captains, um, there's always someone at a site who is like the captain, who's the one kind of the leader. Mm -hmm. And so they all bring their own therapy dogs and they have their own, they're a part, they're a team as well. They just volunteer to kind of be the leader. And so, yes, he has a dog, his dog's about nine years old, eight, nine. And, um, Maybe that he, maybe that's um, someone had told him that, but he's been working there for a, or volunteering there for a long time, and it's every week or every weekend. So he's really gotten to know the ladies. He knows all the ladies' names. Um, he knows a lot of their backstory. Like he's so, and he knows like the receptionist and the people who work there as well. And so he's really invested in this place and knows what the ladies like and how it runs. And um, so it was comforting to be a newbie there, but be with someone who really knew the facility and knew everything and kind of supported me mm-hmm. when I was so new. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like you definitely need that like support and reassurance. And like, even whenever you do have those moments where you're kind of freaking out because like, of course, like you can control your dog in terms of like obedience and, and those kinds of commands, but there are things that come up where they're like, just doing their dog thing. Right. Like just doing the, just doing what, what a dog does. Um, and like, you can't control their personality, even though in those moments you are like wanting to be a hundred percent perfect. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think I would personally have to work on a lot of like my anxiety and like need for control over situations. If I were to be in a, um, like with a, like a therapy dog, like a therapy dog team. Um, just because in the past I have put a lot of pressure on myself for the way that like Layla acts. And so something like that, I think would really, uh, maybe not now, but you know, a year ago could have really triggered my anxiety. I think also like having trust with your dog in both Mm -hmm. directions, them trusting you, you trusting them. Right. So there are times I kind of let her lead. We walk into a room and it might be their community center and there's people in at different couches or wheelchairs and they're kind of scattered around the room. And I kind of let her lead. Like, where are you going to sniff wherever she sniffs or wherever she wants to go? We'll go say hi to that person over there. Mm -hmm. Um, We, and then we kind of, when I see she's done, you, a big thing with, with therapy dogs is you advocate for your dog. So if she seems overwhelmed, she doesn't want to be on this person's lap anymore. Or she wants to move on. You, you do, and you say it in a friendly way. Um, but then you kind of let them lead. And I trust her enough that she's going to, you know, behave. And, but as long as she picks the area we go to, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And I like, I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, because not that this is 
super similar, but I kind of let Layla do that the other day at Lowe's. Well, like it was really hot here. We went to Lowe's and part of it was structured. You know, I kept her like in a heel, but then if we were um, going down a few aisles that nobody was in there and it was, you know, things weren't all over the ground. I would let her sniff and kind of lead me like, where do you want to go? What do you want to sniff? Just to kind of have that like free time. Yeah. I think that's really good, especially when there is so much structure in the beginning, it gives them Mm -hmm. that free time. It shows them like, like behave in the beginning when we're on my time structure and then you get your free time. You earn that free time. And also just like dog sniffing in general, we all know that's so good for their brain. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, it builds, it's the same. It's like building their, um, confidence, just like you would have on a step ladder or on the block of wood at Lowe's, like having them smell and walk through the refrigerator section, which terrifies Yoko walking, let her walk on her own pace instead of dragging her through, she can build her confidence that way. So, um, I, I don't know. I think that's such a, that's a good idea. I mean, I think it's such a great idea. And I do that a lot within our therapy sessions. Yeah. I was going to say that like letting her lead is a great way to build her own confidence. Yeah. And then, you know, if she goes in a direction or does something I'm not wanting, then Mm -hmm. I can redirect her. You know, I can, everyone, I was gonna say the ladies, but like really everyone, not even our assisted living clients, like love dogs who do tricks. Oh yeah. (laughs) it It is not necessary to be a therapy dog to know tricks. But the tricks that you could perform, more tricks, the better. Like they love seeing it. And that's something that's great. If she's pulling in one direction, but I need mm-hmm. her to stay in the room, I can call her name, have her do touch, sit, high five, and just, you know, it entertains everyone around, but then also it like gets her attention back on me. Right. Redirect that focus. Yes. Does she like, you know, doing those little tricks and like performing? Yeah, I th- I think she likes them. I don't yeah. know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I'm love sure them. If you're giving her treats, she likes it. Right. And so with our, with our program, <laughs> um, we actually can't give treats within our program. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Some organizations let you, ours does not. And um, I think one of the main reasons is just like, it's a safety thing. You don't mm-hmm. want the dog to to bite someone, um, to try right. trying to get the treat. Um, you don't want that smell of like the food on your hand, mm-hmm. touching the clients, touching the area. Um, allergies could be. Yeah. I was thinking lots of dog treats are peanut butter. Right. And there's so many, so many different reasons. So, um, plus dogs can be very food motivated. So if they're just yeah. like only focused on you because you have the treat, it's like not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we don't actually do treats, but during the sessions, but, um, but I mean, the, it's like teaching your dog high five is like such a hit with the kids because they get to do yeah. it. Yeah, well. they love it. And I mean, I guess really anyone they love it. So right, um, doing the tricks is is yeah, it's a good little thing to to work on. Oh, I like beginning. that. <laughs> Was that like ever an issue not using treats? Like, is Coco super food motivated, and you like you know had to transition to more of making your voice or like pets, the, the motivation. Um, she's actually not really food motivated. I struggle okay. with her to even eat her like meals. Mm-hmm. Um, not very food motivated, which has been hard for training. Uh, I would say she's not really motivated by anything. So it's like, she likes toys. She doesn't play ball or fetch. So she's not really motivated by that. Um, so training has been a little bit difficult, but I just try to do a lot of praise with her. Yeah. And I think that really works best. Um, and then, or, extremely high value, like string cheese, um, mm-hmm. when we are training, but, um, I've, I was, 
like giving her a treat with every time I'd ask her to sit and every time I do something. And I've really tried to pull away from that because of the therapy, mm-hmm. the therapy work. We don't, we don't have treats with us. So she needs to be able to listen to me without that. So now that's, I'm trying to do a lot more training with less frequent, uh, like treats. Right. And more like praise or, and, yeah, and words and whatever. Yeah. The, well, the words, the like hand motions, right. Um, all that also like when the kids are trying to talk to the dog to like give them commands you know they have high-pitched voices little kid voices so sometimes just like standing behind the kid and doing the sit motion um while they're saying sit in their kid voice it can get the dog to sit and then they're like the kids think they did it it's amazing wonderful oh perfect so <laughs> you, you came up with like all the little tricks on yeah. on how to 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 do it um even though like you're conning the kid a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> they'll never know. Yeah. Um, well, that like comes in super handy. I think that Coco isn't, you know, super food motivated because I know lots of dogs who are, who are really food motivated and weaning them off of like treats whenever, you know, they're in heel or like, you know, whenever you, they come when called or even tricks, you know, um, that could be really, really hard for a dog who, who is very reliant on food, I should say. So it's yeah. a, probably a really like lucky thing, you know, that Coco isn't like that. Um, yeah. because it's and made this of- whole process a lot easier for you guys. Yeah. And also when we're in different facilities, there's crumbs on the ground. I mean, she'll like eat a crumb on the ground, but mm-hmm. it's easy. If there's a pill on the ground, I can tell her to leave it and she does not care about it. And she is that's like one of her best commands is leave it and drop it, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. But, um, you know, especially in the hospitals, they have those trays over the bed and right. even moved out of the way a dog who's bigger as well could reach it. And being food motivated, I don't think that's really something you can work out of a dog, but mm-hmm. that is something where that's an added um, stressor and an added thing to work on for totally. the in those situations, which it's totally doable. I mean, there's, food motivated dogs who do wonderful at therapy. It's mm-hmm. totally fine, but yeah. Yeah. So if you like, we're talking to somebody who was thinking about going into therapy dog training, um, or thinking about being like a therapy team with their dog, uh, what tips or advice would you give to them? I would say start with exposure as soon as you can getting your dog to be in new places, be comfortable with new places, new people. Anytime I'm walking Coco and I see a kid, I'll go over and be like, Hey, do you want to pet my dog? Um, because I want her comfortable with children. Mm-hmm. Um, and any, I mean, you have to know your dog and what works for them, but for her, she's, she loves interacting with other people. So anytime I see someone who's kind of looking at her, I'm like, do you want to say hi? Yeah. And especially um, like people who are in wheelchairs or using walkers or canes, getting her comfortable around those um, anytime, especially like at Lowe's or CVS, if I see um, a walker that you can buy, mm-hmm. I'll have her go over and sniff it. And yeah. just like exposure with different plants and equipment and different floor types, that's so good to start early, but it helps tremendously because I think really any dog can be a therapy dog for the most part, but mm-hmm. the two main things is that they are comfortable with new people and comfortable in new environments. Like the newness is really important. So the more exposure, the better. So I would say, yeah, start early and do as much as you can getting her, getting your dogs to like meet and greet other people 
all people wearing hats, people with canes, people on skateboards, whatever it may be. Right. Yeah. And even like, this would probably be a hard one, but you know, people that have like IVs or, you know, uh, like, um, I cannot think of like what they're called right now. Um, but you know, like the tubes going into their nose for like oxygen and, yeah. and nutrients and different kinds of things like that. Um, getting your dog used to that, because I could definitely see a dog being like weary or confused by that. Right. Yeah. And if, if you have access to that, to mm-hmm. getting them exposed, um, I mean, I've even like asked friends, Hey, do you have an extra, do you have extra crutches laying around that I could just like right. pick up the house and I just like have them like up against the wall and she gets comfortable with it or like a balloon. Mm-hmm. Like I just have balloons randomly throughout my house and she can get comfortable with it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> like she was terrified of balloons at my birthday last year. So this year I was like, we're going to make sure that she is comfortable with balloons, especially like a lot of facilities have balloons. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially like schools. And then you never know when somebody's going to have a birthday party at the nursing home. Yeah, it happens all the time. Totally. Yeah. So what has been or what is your favorite part about being a therapy dog team with Coco? I think I love like the seeing other people light up when a dog comes in and like she's pretty unique looking. And so sometimes, you know, I'll pick her up and someone's laying in their hospital bed, I'll pick them, pick them up. And their reaction is like, oh, and they just like, (laughs) you know, they just like love on her. And anyone who loves my dog, like even half as much as I love her, like is, makes me happy. And Mm -hmm. um, I, so I think like just seeing other people really light up with these dogs. And I also like in a selfish way, it makes me feel really good. It kind of gives me that like, um, a little piece of my life I was missing of like a fulfillment of doing a good deed um in a way you know and I'm able to like talk with these people I'm able to like show off my dog um talk all about my dog you talk a lot about them and I just it makes me feel really happy um and fulfilled so it's just it's been such like a great and positive experience all the other teams and supervisors have been so supportive and we're all kind of like in the same boat you know and it's just been uh, I love it I really really love it oh that is so good I hope you know how much like you're making a difference in people's lives and I love that you said like you feel fulfilled by it and I can just like tell you have the biggest smile on your face (laughs) right now and it makes me smile you know seeing how like happy and and fulfilled you are with, with talking about it even. So I would expect to, you know, if I saw you doing this in person to just be thrilled because I, I would see the joy coming from you, from Coco, from the people that you're helping. Um, and so I hope, you know, like really how great of a deed that it is that you, you've done this with you and Coco. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just warms my heart. I just love it. Yeah. Okay. So before we wrap up, um, I'll ask you the, the, the famous question. Um, what does having a dog mom mentality mean to you? I love this question. I love how everyone has like different answers, but every time I hear someone's answer, I'm like, wait, yeah, yeah, me too. That's I know. Right. That's how I feel. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I didn't think of that, but totally you described my, you know, exactly what I'm thinking. Um, so to me, dog mom mentality, I would say is really putting your dog as a priority. And that doesn't always mean like 
putting them over a priority as uh, over you. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a time and place for that, but just their needs are, you know, one of your big top priorities, making sure that they are comfortable, happy, living like whatever best life you can provide. Um, and that means something different to every dog and every person, but just really having your dog as your the forefront of your decisions. Um, and bettering their life, which in, you know, which happens to just better your life and just fulfilling their life through different activities, whatever it may be, just building that bond Mm -hmm. and, you know, making sure that they're living their best life. Oh yes. Because if they're living their best life, then you're living your best life. (laughs) Right. Happy dog, happy mom. Right. It's like, yeah. You know how they used to say like happy wife, happy life. No, it's, it's happy dog, happy life. Yes. (laughs) We flipped the script on them. Okay. But totally like you, every time I hear somebody's answer, I'm just like, oh my gosh, yes. Like, I love it. Like that's, you took the words right out of my mouth, like perfect way to, to describe it. So that is it for this podcast. I so appreciate you coming on and talking about uh, Coco and your experiences and um, the different tips that you have. So if you just want to tell people where they can find you and, um, you know, like your Instagram and, and TikTok and whatnot. Yeah, um, really, we just use Instagram, but you can find us at at L-I-L-M-I-S-S underscore Coco, and that's Coco with an A, so C-O-C-O-A. So Little Miss Coco and feel free. Yeah. Feel free to reach out. If anyone wants to talk about therapy stuff or dog training or anything, I am always on my phone and always on Instagram. And I love like using that platform for what it's for to build a social community. So please, you know, feel free to reach out and just say hi or connect and whatever it may be. Um, happy to connect with more dog moms. Perfect. And I will have your, your Instagram in the show notes. So if you want, you can just scroll down there and, and click on the link to Little Miss Coco. But thank you, Sarah, so much again for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This was so great. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. My name is Caroline. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Dog Mom Mentality. And if you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And if nothing else, I hope you get to play with your dog today.